0: Will set you free. Headline Edition, July 8, 1947.
1: The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army.
0: We're Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to a new month, a new year, a new decade, and a new edition of The Veritas Show, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where you shall find. I'm still your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. And since this may be the first or second show of the year, depending on when you listen to the last one, I still want to wish you a fantastic new year. Tonight's special guest is one of the most respected researchers in the field of alien abductions, Dr. David Jacobs, who will discuss the alien hybridization agenda. Dr. Jacobs will be with us shortly. I want to thank Crystal Clark, once again for the last two shows, which have elicited a lot of participation and have received a lot of feedback. Those were two shows that gave us a lot of hope for the future. One of the beauties of being a Veritas member is not only the shows, but the fact that some of our guests actually join our Magic or Forum. Crystal has joined and has been kind enough to field plenty of questions. Oh, and I would like to make a correction. During the last show, Crystal Clark was referring to author Carlos Castañeda. And I said Spanish author Carlos Castañeda and the fact that I would like to invite him on the show. When in fact, in my mind, I was referring to Spanish author J.J. Benitez. Carlos Castañeda is no longer alive and is Peruvian. I knew that, but had a momentary lapse of reason. To those who brought this to my attention, I thank you. In the past few days, I've seen a marked increase in the number of new members. I'm sure it's a combination of the great guess we're having and also being that it is a new year. Many are finally convinced that an investment of $5.32 per month or 17 cents per day can really make a difference. Veritas is not for everyone. I know that. And as I said at the beginning, Veritas is for those who dare to seek the place where they shall find. Don't wait any longer. Subscribe today by heading to our website, veritas.show.com. We have a very loyal member who is an eye doctor from Canada and has purchased a number of truth certificates in 2009. On January 1st, he wrote to me after purchasing a number of new truth certificates quote, May I be the first one to buy two front row seats for a six month pass on the 2010 Veritas bus? My goal is as a primary eye care doctor is to help focus the light and help elevate the world's consciousness, one person at a time." I love that. Sandy, thanks for your loyalty and for making a difference in those you are sending these subscriptions to. I will work very hard so they are not disappointed. And a new whistleblower has come out to talk about the reality of time travel. We had Andrew Bashago on the show a few weeks ago, and now the headlines show Dr. David Anderson, from the Anderson Institute, whose motto is Innovation and Excellence in Time Technology. When I read the recent headlines, I knew I have heard the name before. So I looked and found that Dr. Anderson had actually written to me on November of last year. I will contact Dr. Anderson for a possible interview to discuss the exciting topic. And I hear that he discusses the technology and the practical applications. So stay tuned. Also, let me announce a few future shows Nick Redfern, Drs. J.J. Hertak, and Desiree Hertak, Kerry Cassidy and Bill Ryan from Project Camelot, Stephen Bassett, Benjamin Felford, and many more. Subscribe today and don't miss a show. For more news, visit our blog or the Or Forum, where we discuss all relevant world events. If you need to get in touch with me, send me an email to mail that's M-E-L, at VeritasShow.com. And now, to those of you who are interested in the abduction phenomenon, get ready to find out why aliens are refining a hybrid race that could potentially take control of planet Earth. For decades, abduction researchers have looked into the possibility of a hybridization program in which a hybrid race is being refined until perfection is achieved. Could it be that this program is intended for the colonization of planet Earth? Could the aliens be preparing to turn on the switch that will allow these hybrids who walk among us to rule the planet? If the subject matter is too hard for you to consider, stop this audio now. If you are ready, I want to know by listening to this revealing interview with Dr. David Jacobs, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabrigus, and you're listening to the Very Show. Most of the great music you hear right here on the Very Test Show is supplied by the independent artists from Jamendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, veritasshow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases, right there at Jamendo.com.
1: This is Yvonne Smith, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.
0: Dr. David Jacobs is Associate Professor of History at Temple University, specializing in 20th century American history and culture. He began researching the controversy over unidentified flying objects in America in the mid-1960s, and has amassed over 35 years of primary research data and analytical hypothesis on the subject. Dr. Jacobs has written and delivered many articles, papers and addresses on the subject of UFO abduction and has been a consultant to the major UFO organizations. In recent years, he has concentrated on ascertaining the proper methodological techniques for the hypnosis and therapy of abductees. He is the author of many books including Secret Life, First Hand Accounts of UFO Abductions, The Threat and UFOs and Abductions Challenging the Borders of Knowledge and directly from our Veritas virtual studio in Philadelphia, Dr. David M. Jacobs. Hello, Dr. Jacobs, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Mel. It's my pleasure. Dr. Jacobs, abductions and hybrids are topics that we frequently discuss on this show, and you have done your share of research. But first, please give us some background of yourself and how you were able to get into this subject and when you started your research into this.
1: Well, if you're talking about abductions, uh, I had already been a UFO researcher for a number of years, and um, I, like almost all serious UFO researchers, thought that the abduction phenomenon was really a side issue, a side like was probably psychological in some way. People you know, people are strange, they make up things, and, and strange things happen to people and who knows what. And so I... Primarily, even with the abduction phenomenon uh, out there, I I paid very little attention to it. Uh, I met Bud Hopkins uh, in 1981. Bud Hopkins was uh, beginning his research on abductions and had just published a book called uh, Missing Time. Yes. And uh, I I had, uh, I, I guess I shook hands with him at a conference in 1981. I don't even remember doing that. And I uh, had no no con. I, I didn't even stay to hear his paper on abductions. It was it was a waste of time. I, I I had better things to do, like stand out in the hallway and chat with a friend of mine. I mean, there was just no. I wasn't going to sit there for an hour and a half or an hour and 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 waste my time listening to something about abductions. Uh, so that's sort of the way most abduction most UFO researchers were actually, this is uh, 81 in 82, a mutual friend insisted that I, I come over to uh, follow him, go with him to, uh, to Bud Hopkins house in New York city. I had ne- I'd met with him uh, for a talk in, in New York city and, and I didn't, I didn't want to go to, Bud Hopkins house, uh, once again, this is just a waste of my time, you know, so he said, no, 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 Hopkins is a nice guy. You'll see. And, uh, and, and I finally consented to get into the cab and go to Bud Hopkins house. And when I, when I got there and we met Hopkins, finally, um, uh, Hopkins impressed me immediately as being extremely intelligent, uh, very careful, very well thought, uh, well thought out. And, and, uh, uh, I was, uh, suddenly interested in what he was doing and, um, the interesting thing was is that uh, as, we, as I was leaving his, his house in New York City, uh, we were standing on the sidewalk and he said, what are you doing this summer? And I said, well, normally we go up to Maine for vacation, but we have a new baby and so it's too long a trip. So we're going to a small town in Cape Cod, which is uh, off the coast of Mass- off Massachusetts, uh, just off Massachusetts, is part of Massachusetts. And um, called Wellfleet, this little place called Wellfleet. And we're going to spend a couple of weeks there. He said, Wellfleet, I own a house in Wellfleet. I go to Wellfleet for three months every summer and he has been doing it for years and years. So with that sort of serendipitous situation, that coincidence, uh, we met again in, in Wellfleet. And uh, he introduced me to some abductees. Who, of course, I'd never met an abductee. And showed me what he was doing, and, and uh, uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. And I came back down and I talked to uh, Alan Hynek, who was the Dean of UFO Researchers at that time, and I told him that, uh, that this guy Hopkins was onto something. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't just a flash in the pan, that this was something that was maybe meaningful. And uh, Alan told me, no, David, stick with UFOs. Stay away from that abduction stuff. Stick with UFOs because with UFOs, you have serious evidence. You have photographs and movies and you have radar tracings and triangulated witnesses and the priest and the minister and the rabbi and all that. And you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of them around the world. And you've got effects on the ground and on the environment and on on mechanical um, uh, objects and, and animals and people. I, I mean, it's everything everything you could ever want in terms of evidence except having a UFO, we already had. So stick with that. That's where sort of the prize was. And I told him, I don't know, Alan. I, this, Hopkins, is he, I think he's really onto something here. This, I mean, this, this abduction thing is just not as nonsensical as I had assumed. And uh, so... I didn't take his advice and I met up with Hopkins some more and more and he invited me up to his house up in New York, which is about a hundred miles from where I am in Philadelphia. And, um, uh, I, uh, by 1986, this is four years later, I had decided that the only way to deal with the abduction phenomenon for myself was to learn how to do hypnosis. Now I had never hypnotized anybody except students, who I hypnotize immediately. As soon as I start to talk, I can see their eyes closed and their mouths open. And, uh, so that I was extremely frightened about the prospect of doing hypnosis. But in 1986, I, uh, I started to, uh, I started to do this and that's, and that's sort of been, uh, the road to ruin for me ever since. <laughs> uh, did you have
0: any mentor when you started or do you consider Bud Hopkins a mentor?
1: Well, Bud was what what I was doing with Bud is he would uh, I would go up to his his uh, his home and he would do hypnosis there and I would sit in on his sessions, copying down everything he said and, and analyzing what was going on. I read books about hypnosis and I uh, I you know I, I tried to learn hypnosis as best I could. I'm not certified in it, and um, and so he he really sort of you know led me uh, uh, through how to do hypnosis with abductees. Now, obviously, uh, over the years, I've changed considerably and, and, and refined my own techniques as best as I can. And uh, But he, he was my mentor. He's also my closest friend in the world, and we, we speak all the time and so forth. So,
0: It's interesting how Dr. Heineck told you to stay away from the abduction cases because of the lack of, of evidence, if you will. But after so many years of you doing this, and this is a question that I had for the you know, middle of the show, I'm sure you found some commonalities, some common denominators, something that gets repeated again and again and again between abductees. Did you find any commonalities in all the years you've been doing
1: this? Right. Well, you know, um, uh, with a, with UFO research, you're looking for patterns. That's that's Everything has to do with patterns. If it's not patterned, then, then you, your your evidence is infinitely weaker. Uh, and with abductions, it's the same way. You're looking for patterns. And the problem with abductions, uh, before I even get into that, is that the evidence is... Pri- you have to understand where the evidence fits into the spectrum of evidence. It is human memory recovered through hypnosis and... Um, which is administered by amateurs like me, for instance. And consequently, it's as weak a form of evidence as you can possibly get. It's hard to imagine a weaker form of evidence. Memory is faulty. And besides that, with the abduction phenomenon, people forget what happened to them immediately after the event. So what they do remember, oftentimes, is just little snippets of things here and there, little pieces. Sometimes they put those pieces that are very distorted and wrong into, into a narrative. They put them together into a narrative that, that they think they, quote, remember, end quote. And, uh, and, and, and they tell you this, and, and people think, well, this story is much better because it doesn't have hypnosis uh, involved with it. But oftentimes, it's much worse without hypnosis. It's much less truthful, in a sense. Are less accurate let's put it that way and consequently uh, even when you get as accurate as possible you have to deal with the problem of memory and hypnosis and we don't have films and we don't have tapes and we don't have uh, uh, people uh, not usually although sometimes we do have other people seeing the abduction but even then it's primarily based on anecdotal evidence, whereas the UFO phenomenon is not. It has uh, all sorts of hard evidence involved with photographs and radar and all the rest of that stuff, so that people know that there was something there that was acting very strangely, at the very least. Um, whereas with abductions, uh, it's the evidence is, is much, much, much weaker. Now, having said that... We have an enormous amount of evidence for abductions. I mean, it is just astounding how much evidence we have for this and how much we know about this subject, and it is very, very patterned. People all say the same thing around the world, and it does not matter what society they live in, whether they're educated or not educated, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, whether they... Uh, uh, what the political situation is, what their political views are and the country that they live in, nothing like that matters. They all say the same thing in precise detail about what is happening to them. It is the most astonishing phenomenon ever. There's never been anything quite like it in human history as far as I can tell.
0: People forget due to the shock that they experience or could it possibly be that the amnesia is induced somehow,
1: right? We used to think early, early on. This would be, uh, you know, in the early '80s and and, and beforehand that if that, that, that if people are abducted, uh, it's so such a shocking thing that they immediately repress the the event, and they can't remember it because it's it's repressed. Well, that evidence never held, and there is. Uh, very, 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 very little evidence that adults will do that, although children might. But um, uh, the evidence was very weak on that point from the beginning. And then there's the problem of, well, if it's not repressed because it's so horrific, so terrorizing, uh, then um, what we should see when we do hypnosis with abductees is these beings... Performing some sort of a procedure that would tell the abductee not to remember things and uh, We have never at any time seen that procedure uh, We should see it at the end of every abduction event. I've looked at a uh, 1150 abduction events with about a hundred and fifty people now uh, over the years uh, and uh, uh, I have never seen that 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 procedure therefore What that means is that there's already a neurological alteration within them, which in some way blocks access to those memories. Probably some sort of a a short-term memory uh, uh, blockage of of some way. I'm using words. I'm not a a neurologist, so I don't know the proper terminology to use. But probably blocking short-term memory so that they cannot access the long-term memory, which is in there somewhere. So when we do hypnosis, we're looking, at a, we're looking at what would be, I assume, long-term memory. Now, having said that, long-term memory is just a phrase because I have done many, 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 many uh, hundreds of, uh, of, of, of abduction uh, cases, uh, um, uh, um, investigations, I should say, where the person was abducted the night before or within a week or even that morning. See what I mean? So what what we say with long term memory is what we its what's happened is that they just can't access that. But it's not really long term in terms of of time, Uh, although we we do know that that we've you know, we've looked at events that have happened in the 1920s and 1930s and 40s and 50s and so forth.
0: And it's interesting what you said about the abductions around the world. Uh, No social status, no political affiliations. Basically, the abductors, and bear in mind I don't use the word alien, the abductors do not discriminate. I get a lot of email from people saying, why is it that the abductions occur in the United States only or in certain parts of the world? So you can categorically say that that is not true.
1: I can categorically say that it's not true. Um, The problem here is that there are very, very few serious abduction researchers it's such a crazy subject. It's so fringe of the fringe. It's little green men from another planet abducting people. It's, it's, it's science fiction. It's popular culture that serious researchers, uh, scientists, psychologists, psychiatrists, just stay away from it. It's uh graduate students will call me up and they will, will contact me and they'll tell me that they want to do work in, in, in UFOs or abductions. And I tell them to stay the hell away from it. It's a it's a career killer. You know, if you, if you if you if you want to do something from the point of view that this is happening to people, you will never teach and you will never find a job in a university. It's just never going to happen. And if you find that there's nothing going on, that it's all product of the mind in some way, you're never going to teach. You'll never find the job because everybody already knows that you're just reinventing the wheel. It's all downside. There's no upside. In in terms of people, you know getting a PhD in some related subject either through psychology or, or whatever so what you see with with people who go into this uh, Subject in terms of getting doing doctoral work on it is almost always cults uh, and uh, and religions relating to UFOs and 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 things like that that are in sociology and psychology and They rehash these over and over again for their doctoral dissertations but in terms of serious work involving what exactly is it that abductees say and how, how can science be brought to bear on this subject? There's virtually no one that does that. And that's in the United States, which is much better than Italy or England or France or Germany and so forth and so on. So, so it makes it seem as if there are more abductions here um, because we do have abduction researchers who do do this work and it is in the media and all the rest of that stuff. As opposed to other places, but I can tell you right off that uh, I get, uh, you know, through my website, I get people who who ask me questions about subjects. You tell me about the uh, what's happened to them and who fill out my questionnaire from uh, all continents uh, in, the, in, in the world. Now, I don't know of every every single country. I don't know what's going on in Myanmar, for example. Uh, You know, in in what was called Burma.
0: (laughs) Nobody knows what's happening in Burma or Myanmar just because of their junta.
1: Exactly. And the same thing with North Korea. And and I'm not sure of some other places, you know, I mean, but I do get mail uh, from people who are obviously abductees, wondering if there's anybody in their area who they can see and so forth uh, from uh, all around the world. And you have to understand in this country alone... um, uh my, my friend, but Hopkins and I you know have have been contacted by thousands and thousands of people uh, now to when I say they come from all walks of life that is exactly true, but I must admit that my bias is that it's I find it easier to work with people who have PhDs and MDs and other doctorates in other fields than people who are uh, grammar school or, or middle school or junior high school or high school dropouts. Uh, I find that... Uh,
0: in terms uh, of abductees?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a work, I work with everybody, but in, but in terms of how they phrase things, how they say things, their insight into what's happening, I find that people who have doctorates and, and you know, higher educated are, are a little more adept at that than those people who are who are basically, uh, you know, have dropped out of high school or something like that. But that's my own personal bias. In essence, they're all saying the same thing. It's just that the people who have advanced degrees can say it a little bit more articulately. They can get a you know they they can understand the bigger picture quicker sometimes and all that. That doesn't necessarily mean they're any smarter than people who dropped out of school. Let me just say that right off. You mentioned uh,
0: Italy, for example. Somebody yeah. in Italy, for example, that who gets allegedly abducted, uh, Italy being a, a very Catholic country, I would presume that somebody may not even want to come forward because. The masses or society or religion may say, it's the devil, let's just put you through an exorcism. Is that why some other countries may not be as exposed to the news of abductees, or is it the lack of research?
1: It is possible, but you, 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 you've you picked a, a country where, where the opposite is true. In, in actuality, the, the Catholic Church and, uh, uh, and the Pope, not necessarily Pope Benedict, but the previous Pope is was was quite interested in the subject of, of alien life and all that, and the the Catholic Church has been very good about the abduction phenomenon, and they have not uh, they have not said anything against it, and and uh, they they're 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 quite liberal in this area. It is the sort of uh, in the, in the United States, there's kind of these uh, um, evangelical religions that that very much believe that it is uh, uh, the, uh, demonic possession. And the work of the devil and satan and all that sort of thing but in in italy there is a, uh, there are a couple of researchers there in abductions uh uh Carraro malanga is one of them and uh i don't speak italian so i haven't read, read anything that he's written but people tell me he's uh he's very much into the subject and and does uh, hypnosis and all that and in england of course there's a few people uh, but here in the United States uh, uh, there are people who who go to their ministers and the ministers tell them you know that this is uh, this is demonic possession you've got to pray it away and and all that and, and uh, uh, then it, it, it's it's actually more more uh, uh, prevalent here I was actually once denounced from the pulpit in Philadelphia for being in league with the devil because I was studying the subject is that right yep. Uh, at least that's what my students have told me when other students came to class <laughs> once and told me that their preacher had said that and then in, in in church so uh so
0: well uh, Pope Benedict may not be as uh interested if you will I- into this, but he's the only one that has moved forward saying that we want to make contact and uh you know you keep. Hearing the Catholic Church and the Vatican, you know, they have one of the largest telescopes in the world in Arizona. And this is a topic that you may not discuss, but it makes you wonder, what is the Catholic Church doing, spending so much money in looking for extraterrestrial
1: life? Right. Well, the thing is, is that I think that all the major religions can incorporate extraterrestrial life. They're all large enough and flexible enough to be able to do that. Uh, you know, they they would say that there is a prime mover or a creator, and uh, and uh, and he created the heaven and earth and and, and everything else in it. Therefore, he, uh, you know, everybody is God's children, and then so they aliens. I mean, there's there it's 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 not as as odd as, as as you might think. Um, uh, but but I I've worked with a number of ministers uh, who are uh, you know, who are abductees. And they all know right away that uh, this is not something that is religious, religiously based, uh, that this is not demonic possession, that this is not angels, it's not religious figures, uh, that, that this is something very, very different. Now, you have to understand with the abduction phenomenon, it begins in infancy, and we, know, we think we know that because uh, um, parents are abducted with their children. And it continues all the way through childhood and into all the way through adulthood and into old age. And at some point, it stops. We're not sure when, maybe at age 80, maybe 75. I don't know when it stops, but, it, but we don't see really old uh, uh, abductees in their 80s or their 90s, you know, uh, uh, hobbling around on board an object. And we should see them uh, because we know that the phenomenon goes back throughout the 20th century and not much past that uh so we, we really sort of should see that but we but we don't now maybe because their numbers are so small we, we don't really see that but um but it, but the point is is that it's a lifelong phenomenon it's not a single event kind of uh a person's in the wrong place at the wrong time and then here comes a flying saucer and they see oh yeah, there's a couple of them let's grab them and, and see what makes them tick you know and and take them on board the objects and cut them in half and say, oh, I see. There's a heart in there and there's, uh, there's lungs and there's this and that. That's interesting. And uh, you know, we, we, in fact, thought that that was the case for years and years and years. And that these beings who were doing this were very similar to us. In other words, everybody in the universe was pretty much the same in, in, in that kind of a thought. Uh, and that they were learning about us. They were experimenting on us. They were in some way having a, 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 they were involved with a situation that, that was uh, a study of, of some sort or another. And because that's what we would do if we were to go to some distant planet and find uh, life there, obviously we'd take samples or whatever. And that seemed to make, that seemed to be okay, uh, you know, for us to, to think that because that seemed to be where it was. That actually did not hold either there was uh, no real evidence for that 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 held Uh, and over the years uh, um, even now when you talk with people who are abduction researchers they will use the word experiment they're experimenting on us uh, over and over again even now Uh, but there is uh, no evidence for that at all actually it's a a, it's a very different situation Um, but What we're learning is that these beings are are, are really very, very different from us. (laughs) They're not the same as us. They're very different. Um, uh, And uh, I guess that most of the uh, major religions would be able to to deal with that in some way.
0: In doing this show, never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine I would be in communication with so many people who claim to have been abducted. And some of them who even claim they're hybrids. I'm always skeptical, but I always keep an open mind. Is there a way to discern between the true hybrids?
1: Yes. If a person calls you and says that they're a hybrid, that's almost absolute evidence that they're not. They would never, ever do that. That would never occur. That would never happen. It just wouldn't. And when they say they're a hybrid, they don't really understand what hybrids are or Uh, uh, Transgenic beings as sometimes they're called Uh, They they don't they they don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't know enough about the subject yet To even if they and so by saying they're a hybrid, they're automatically saying I'm not a hybrid That's what I have found in my research because I had a lot of people tell me that too and uh, I know what hybrids can do and what they can't do, and these people can't do anything that hybrids can, and that means that they're not a hybrid by definition.
0: Well, let, let me let me rephrase then, and I want you to tell me what the hybrids can do, because I'm interested. Okay. But have you been involved in any medical research to determine if someone is truly hybrid? How would you, with today's technology, determine that by analyzing someone's DNA, for example?
1: No. Well, yes, you could do that, but... It, the, you, you, and, and there might be even ways of doing that, um, but to answer that question, it's going to take an hour of backstory, of background to understand the differences between hybrids and humans. There are very few differences, just a couple. Those couple of differences are, uh, make them into a different species than us even though they may be ninety-five percent human or maybe ninety-eight percent human for all I know, but the difference between us and them would be, well, you know, we're ninety-seven percent I'm sorry, chimps are ninety-seven percent human. Right. They got ninety seven percent of the well that three percent's a big three percent. That's a big one. You know what I mean? And uh so uh uh hybrids are not fully human and they can do things that we can't do and uh they would not be calling you up and saying that they're a hybrid if they were. Uh, they, they would keep that a secret and go about their business as usual.
0: Well, uh, that's a problem. Most of them keep it a secret and they don't know who to talk to.
1: No, they wouldn't. They uh, Talking to somebody about their problem would not be a concept. As a hybrid, you would not have a problem being a hybrid. You would uh, be very, very content in your situation. So you are saying that hybrids exist well, what we, let me go, we're jumping the gun a little bit here. Okay. Uh, from the earliest abductions that we knew of, which would be which would be the Antonio Villas-Boas abduction in 1957 and the uh, Barney Betty Hill abduction in 1961, there was a reproductive interest in the accounts that the, that the, that the people told. Most people, if you uh, talk with, if you do enough Sessions with them more than one for example will in fact come out with the fact, with the idea that uh, Eggs have been taken or sperm has been taken or 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 women are implanted with fetuses and or or fetuses are extracted from them Which when I say this just sort of as a matter of course because this happens to all abductees period This is something we see with all abductees There are virtually and you know, I can't say all but virtually uh, no exceptions we haven't found exceptions yet. There might be some out there, but we haven't found it yet. Now, they're not taking saliva samples <laughs> or blood samples, although every once in a while that will happen. But uh, this is something that they're extremely interested in. And we were always concerned, why, why would they do that? Why, why would that happen? Even Barney Hill described a sperm sample, but he was so embarrassed about it that when a book was written about his experiences in 1966... Uh, he forced John Fuller, the author, to take that part out. He was too embarrassed about it. Thank God for that, because everybody else who has ever said that then now can't be accused of picking it up from the Barney and Betty Hill story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, But in fact, uh, that was part of it as well. And uh, as, as early as 1972, a woman named Marjorie Fish, who was a UFO researcher in Ohio, Suggested that that they were interested in us primarily for reproductive reasons, or they had this overwhelming uh, interest in the in the in reproduction activities. So that's we've had this from the beginning, and we knew therefore that there was this not necessarily sexual interest, but reproductive interest. And we thought, well, okay, they're interested in reproduction because it's an experiment. They're studying us, you know, they're learning about it, and all the rest of that um Hopkins discovered I remember once Hopkins called me up and he told me and and i'm sorry if your readers have heard this story before but i uh, but it did it, it did happen in, in essentially this way he told me told me that he had the most amazing uh, account that he'd ever heard in his life he had just finished doing a session with a woman and it was just amazing it was astounding it was amazing it was really 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 amazing it was just astounding i said god almighty what is it you know and he said well he said they they took this woman off the table to, and, and they walked her into a room and they're in this room there, there they had there, there was some there there was a woman standing there another female standing there with uh with a baby i said a, a baby what do you mean a baby he said yeah with a baby the baby looked weird like crossway it was like sort of half alien half human it was like weird i said uh okay having never heard the word baby in the same context as ufo and abduction before and um but uh, he said then they forced her to put this baby up to her breast and feed the baby and I said, feed the baby? How, what do you mean, feed the baby? What, what kind of nonsense is that? So, this is a woman who's never been married. She's not lactating. She can't feed the baby. I said, did she say that? Did she did she object? And he said, yes, yes. She told him she couldn't feed the baby. But they forced her to put the baby up to her breast anyway and nurse the baby, feed the baby. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, If this, if this is true, if this is actually happening then we will never be able to understand that the kind of thinking that they engage in because their thought processes value form over function. In other words, they like the idea of putting the baby to her breast, that would be form, but there's no milk, therefore there's no function, Right. and that's important to them. Well... Of course, I was wrong. What we've learned over the years is that there's already a, we we can identify a procedure which which stimulates lactation, and the women are lactating, and they and she is feeding the baby, and and so forth. But uh, but the fact is is that that was sort of the beginning of the discovery of hybridization, and uh, from then on, other people began to talk about as we both got into more and more of this. Began to talk about seeing babies, and sometimes there'd be uh, they'd see fetuses in tanks. I call this an incubatorium, a room filled with with tanks of liquid and babies, uh, fetuses, in various stages of of growth and development, with within them. Uh, people would describe them uh, as babies lying in sort of little not bassinets but boxes or glass enclosures. Th-
0: these uh, are accounts given by abductees. By abductees, okay. right?
1: And they would uh, sometimes describe seeing them as toddlers, two, three, four, five years old, as young children, you know, seven to twelve or whatever, as adolescents, as young adults, as adults, and not as older adults for reasons we still do not understand. Not as older adults. So we uh, uh, we began to uncover this whole world of hybrids and hybridizations and. And the thing was, is that some hybrids looked really quite alien, except that they might have a little bit of hair, or there's little whites in their eyes, you know, and all that. Most hybrids sort of looked in the middle. And then on the other side of this bell-shaped curve, there were some that looked much more human. They had longer, you know, more uh, thicker hair and bigger whites in their eyes and they had a you know, mouth, nose and all that. Um, and... I thought over the years as I began, as I did this research, well, what you do is you take your sperm, you take your egg, you put it together, and then in some way unknown, in some unknown way, you alter the fertilized egg, you add alien DNA, if there is such a thing as alien DNA, whatever you do, you make a change there so that you get this bell-shaped curve. You know, some look alien, most of them look in the middle, and some look human, Uh, more human, that is to say, but all look like they're hybrids in one form or another. And I was right about that, because that's really the only thing they can do, it seems to me. But in a sense, I was wrong as well. Uh, As I did more and more research into the subject, and as I pointed out in in my book, The Threat, um, what they do is is that and they will take eggs and sperm and put uh, you know and alter the, the 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 gamete or the fertilized egg whatever it is and um then they take dna from a hybrid and put from maybe even from the hybrid that was produced originally and they will put they will add that dna into this egg and sperm and then they do that again with the new hybrid's DNA, which looks more human, and then they do that again with the next generation of hybrid, who looks even much more human now. Now we've got a very skewed bell-shaped curve where a few might look sort of alien-like, some might look like in the middle, and a large percentage of them are going to look more uh, human and then even more and more human.
0: So basically they're tweaking it generation after generation until they get it right. Refining uh, them.
1: They're refining the species, right? And I don't right. know if it's getting it right or not, because what I've learned is that the different types of hybrids have different functions within the abduction phenomenon. In other words, it's more, it's more complicated than that. And what we see is uh, ones that look quite alien, that really look weird, really do look strange. They oftentimes are caretakers. They, they, they take care of, of the hybrid babies, and um, other ones uh, who are sort of in the middle might uh, help in, in the abduction phenomenon itself. Uh, ones who are more human might uh, have other relations, which we can get into uh, later, w- with abductees that are, that are very different. And, uh, and, and we've learned over the years, you know, as a historian, as a professor of history, I look for change over time. And are we dealing with a, with a steady state phenomenon here? Everybody says the same thing year after year after year after year, decade after decade, and it's all the same. We can't figure out what the trajectory is here. Or, you know, is that what's happening, or do we see change over time? And I must say that for the first ten years, I didn't see a lot of change. It, 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 it wasn't a whole lot of change. Well, let's just say the first five or seven years. But then people began to describe that. That hybrids were helping the aliens do the abductions. They would help. You know, they would come down and bring a person up, for example, and they might help uh, uh, with uh, uh, cleaning up things, for example. They might help with taking things away, uh, doing you know, doing menial tasks, very much like s- small gray aliens. Uh, and then we began to hear that some of the aliens were. I'm sorry, some of the hybrids were performing procedures that these aliens used to perform and will still perform of course but every once in a while a hybrid would do it then we learned that the hybrids uh were doing that sometimes they would do large percentages of abduction sequences with gray aliens standing around watching and doing things as well and then people began to report not everybody of course but but i see this strain that people were that there were people being abducted by hybrids from beginning to end, and they didn't see any regular gray aliens around at all. It was all being conducted by by hybrids, and this was obviously change over time because I had not seen this starting in the uh, in the mid 80s when I began to do abduction research, and Hopkins had not seen this either. So, um, so, so what we've witnessed in the past uh, couple of decades is uh, a a very great growth in the number of of hybrids who are conducting abduction events themselves and have much more responsibility within the abduction sequence. So the
0: Uh, fact that there are hybrids, isn't that confirmation that extraterrestrial life exists? And bear with me for a second. I'm stepping outside of the box for a moment. Imagine yourself as a hybrid and all of a sudden you get murdered and the defense comes and analyzes your DNA and realizes that your DNA is not 100% human perhaps 96%. Just think about the legal repercussions that may have.
1: This is something that would be uh, very interesting. Uh, if this ever happened and we found a non-human, I uh, I, I, I could... Uh, have a a raise in salary I could go to another university I'd be hoisted on the shoulders of my colleagues as a hero I would not be considered a lunatic uh, uh, <laughs>
0: well that's what I'm saying you could be a, a an expert witness because of what you've done so far
1: yeah <laughs> if that were to happen this would be the biggest event ever uh, and uh, um, the, and this might happen one of these days that is possible that's that's within the realm of possibility it's not an impossible situation the problem is when somebody gets murdered and they look like they're really humans who are hanging around somewhere uh normally you don't do a dna analysis on them (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, they there'd be no differences Uh, they just the only thing they do is an autopsy to find out how they died but uh and when they look inside of a hybrid they find human everything basically but uh but still you know uh, you never know you never know and the question is what would they it's more complicated than that the question is what would you look for and and you'd have to look at certain chromosomal strands and see what differences there are and all that. And and, and,
0: and, okay, and what basis do we have to even say this is alien? Just basically we're saying this is not human.
1: Well, all you could say was there's some sort of odd but functional mutation in this DNA strand. I don't know right. how it affected this person, but they're dead now. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's complicated, but it's it's doable. It's something that that is actually, well... I don't know if that's going to happen in my lifetime.
0: <laughs> now, let me get to the nitty-gritty now. Many people uh-oh, here uh-oh, comes. many people have heard about the alleged uh, quote-unquote meeting between former President Eisenhower and a specific ET race and subsequent departmentalized or compartmentalized official or non-official discussions or pacts between governments and of world races. What do you feel is the current relationship between peoples in our human governments and peoples? within any secret governments to any et races in regards to the abduction phenomenon
1: well i'm sorry to disappoint everybody but this meeting with eisenhower and anybody never took place i don't think the government knows anything about this subject whatsoever i think it cares less i don't think there's any shadow government studying it i don't think there's any uh, i don't think the government is is covering up anything and uh i don't think that the government uh has any study going on about it i don't think anything like that is going on now having said that i hope there is if that were happening, it would be the answer to my dreams. It would, I would be a happy person. That would be wonderful. That would be just uh, if the government is studying it secretly. Fantastic! That's the best news I ever heard in my life. Are you kidding? That would be wonderful. I can't say that that is the case. I do not feel that the evidence is. It's not exactly that. There's, there's there's almost no evidence that the evidence that this that the government is doing it. It's not like the evidence isn't compelling. There there isn't any evidence that to be compelling at all. And, um, uh, so I can't, so my fondest dreams are not there. Uh, uh, I, I you see, I, 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 can easily take the idea that they're not, that they're, they're keeping it a secret, that they're hiding it from us. Okay, fine. Great. As long as they're studying it, as long as they're on top of the situation, as long as somebody is trying to, trying to do something about it, that would be wonderful. That would be fantastic. Unfortunately, I cannot say that that is the case. I, I don't see it. Uh, The evidence presented to me about government cover-up and all that just is, as a historian, it does not not come up to the grade of evidence that we must have uh, for something of this import.
0: So is there any validity to the story of the, quote-unquote, agreement gone bad between former members of human government and ET races?
1: No, none whatsoever. None whatsoever that I know of. Now, you can't prove a negative. Maybe there is, you know, and nobody knows about it. But I will tell you one thing. That my knowledge of the abduction phenomenon and the aliens and hybrids and all that—they don't need no stinking agreement. They don't need a legal document. They don't need a quid pro quo. They just do what they want. Period.
0: Where's the proof to to confirm what you just said?
1: Well, there you know what I can present is, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of accounts that all are precise in and dovetailing together. Uh, people who have ha- who have had these experiences, and um, uh, the only thing that I can say is that uh, these beings act alone. They act for their own good. They don't uh, 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 they don't ask people themselves permission to do anything. They do whatever they want to anybody they want, and um, that's their modus operandi. And that has been true from the very beginning, and it's never deviated from that. And I would assume and I can't prove a negative historians cannot prove a negative and I would assume therefore that with governments There'd be no difference whatsoever. Now the interesting thing about this if we get into into the abduction phenomenon itself One of the things that I first noticed early on is that there's very little interest in our institutions in our government and the way in which uh, uh, people uh, go about their business on a daily basis. In other words, if this were a psychological phenomenon, you'd think they'd say things like, uh, Barack Obama, who, what, who is this guy? What does he do? Why do people talk about him? You, you, you'd think we'd get that just once. Or Clinton, and, and Lewinsky, this Monica, what why are we hear about this? What is this? Nothing. Nothing ever. We just don't get an, uh, uh, any kind of interest in our institutions, in our government, in our, in our social uh, uh, arrangements, in you know, a hospital, nothing like that. Uh, 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 we do get interest in a lot of other things that have to do with Earth, but not that, interestingly enough.
0: What countries or members of governments currently have the most contact with these alien races, in your opinion?
1: Well, I don't think any governments are, have have contacts with alien races. I don't think that that, that I don't think it's a concept. It, it it does not, it doesn't resonate as with me as a concept within the abduction uh, scenario. It just uh, I would assume that there are people who are in governments who are abductees, uh, and I, I, just because it's, it's it's enormously random, so you you'd, you'd assume that that every once in a while somebody in a, within a government is probably an abductee. Uh, and every once in a while I will get, I haven't had any government figures calling me, but I've had people who are, who are, 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 are major figures in science and so forth who have contacted me, who are, and who think that they're abductees and probably are. And, um, but in terms of governments, uh, uh, the evidence, you can't prove a negative. I don't know. Maybe they do. All I can tell you is that the evidence that I have seen that has been presented to me. And I've been at this, for, you know, for forty, well, since the '65s. So it's for for however many years that's been. <laughs> and uh, the the interesting thing is, in the UFO phenomenon, uh, and I may be wrong about this, but only uh, two people have ever been directly contacted uh, by the government itself, in term, and to find out what they're doing, uh, one w- or to talk to them, uh, in in a in a way that was not. Related to a study that like Project Blue Book, for example, where people who uh, in the 1960s and and 50s were investigated by uh, uh, UFO investigators for for Project Blue Book who were trying to take their testimony. But in terms of UFO researchers being contacted, uh, Jim and Carl Lorenzen, who had the Aerial Phenomenal Research Organization, were contacted by a couple of Air Force officers in 1953, to see whether or not they were up to no good, whether they were communists or not, or subversives. <laughs> and um, in 1977, I, of all people, was given a call by a member of the Carter administration. The Carter administration, made a, Carter made a pro, uh, pledge in 1976 during the campaign yes. that he would reopen the UFO uh, study. And uh, they were planning on doing something like that, and I got some guy, some guy called me from the Carter administration saying he read my first book, The UFO Controversy in America. And, uh, he, and he, he liked it very much, and he wondered, you know, if, uh, if they did op- open up the UFO, would I, you know, uh, be able to in some way help them or, or, or whatever it is? And I said, Sure. Well, we know for an absolute fact that it was never, never opened up. We know exactly what happened. That's one of those things in the government where we know exactly what happens. After. What happened? Well, Carter sent a letter to NASA saying that he would like NASA to begin the study of the UFO phenomenon once, uh, once again. And that letter went to the director of NASA. And we, the reason we know this is, uh, well, as you'll see how we know this, uh, and uh, that went down to the next level. It was then passed down to the next level, down to the next level, down to the next level, and down to Richard Henry, who is a UFO guy, who was at the lowest level of NASA, who was interested in this. I and mean, And it was up to him to draft a letter saying, we're not going to do this. The Air Force has already done it. And besides that, it's basically a public relations nightmare. And um, he then wrote the letter. And the letter that was then uh, edited a little bit by the next level went up to the next level and they, you know, with each little edits and adds and this and that and all the way up to the, the director of NASA who signed off on it was sent to Carter. And that was the end of that. It was never followed up on by Carter and there was never any study made. And we know that because Richard Henry wrote an article about it for the Journal of Scientific Exploration uh, some years back. Uh, so we, we know exactly what happened. Um, but uh, and Richard Henry is a professor of astronomy and astrophysics at Johns Hopkins University. Well, uh, uh, that, that was essentially it. In other words, the government has not been, uh, you know, we, one would think if the government was interested in the subject that they would be questioning me quite closely and Bud Hopkins quite closely and other UFO abduction researchers quite closely and that they'd be doing their own abduction research. Well,
0: that was my next question. What members, and you answered it, what members of any human institution, public or private, have put serious funding into either working with or studying the ET phenomena and have they contacted you for the years of interaction
1: studies? Yeah, the answer is it's none. Uh, Alan, even when Alan Hynek uh, was the head, Alan Hynek, uh, I remember he would send me drafts of these things, would, would, would apply for grants from National Science Foundation and for other organizations for money to study the subject when he was outside of the Air Force then. And he was turned down every single time uh, and uh, it's, it, it, it's, there is, there has ne- except for the University of Colorado study, which was funded by the Air Force uh, in, and, and ended in December of 1968, there has never been a university, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. There was a very, very small study in 1953 done by uh, Ohio University, not, not Ohio State, but Ohio, a small college in Ohio, uh, in Ada, Ohio at the time. Uh, and that was just a tiny little uh, study and there's been a study by some uh, the um, uh, National Institute of Aeronautics and and, 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 and a- Astronautics or something like that uh, I May be wrong about that, but there's been some other private s- uh, studies But no major funding institution has ever funded any money for anybody whatsoever to study this subject at any time uh, it's it, 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 This is uh, Mel. This is what I call a negative cash flow business when a person comes into my office and I do hypnosis with them, it costs me a small fortune every time. <laughs> I don't charge for what I do. I don't get anything out of this other than information, uh, and uh, it's it's uh, and that's way it's always been with all UFO researchers, virtually all of them. Money comes out of your own pockets, and every once in a while, people will donate some money to an or uh, to a UFO organization, who will dole out sometimes hundreds of dollars to study certain things. Uh, uh, The Fund for UFO Research, for example, has done that. And because they have many hundreds of dollars (laughs) at their disposal. But when you're talking about a major grant with over a million dollars or or hundreds of thousands of dollars, nothing like that has ever happened from a non-UFO organization. Uh, Now, every once in a while, there'll be a private philanthropist, and there have been a couple over the decades. Who have funded some studies privately. But uh, other than that, uh, this is, this, this is can, the problem we're dealing with here has a long history to it. Back in the 50s, there were scientists who were interested in this subject because there was a, a concerted public relations effort, th- primarily through, the, um, uh, through NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon which had a, 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 a very uh, prestigious board of directors, including uh, admirals and and, and, and uh, ministers and, and uh, all, all sorts of, of, of very well known people on their board of directors. And they actually were able to do a public relations uh, effort and that a lot of scientists got interested in, a lot of Congress people got interested in and so forth in, in the 1950s. Uh, but after the 1960s and after the, the, the final report of the Common, uh, of the Common Committee, uh, things really trailed off drastically. And a lot of people left UFO organizations thinking, well, the problem has been solved. There is no such thing as UFOs. It's all fake. It's all nonsense. It's all ridiculous. And, uh, and then there was the 73-74 UFO wave, which was one of the largest we ever had. And people still got interested in it and all that. And then a series of blockades came up. Number one, I think, was by the 19s by the mid 1970s.
0: Blockades, as in information? You mean?
1: Yes. Um, okay. Blockages to it to well to to being interested in the subject by the scientific yes. community. By the mid 1970s, UFO researchers had learned as much as they were ever going to learn about UFOs and UFO sightings. In other words. By the mid-1970s, we were we were in information overload. It was absolutely overwhelming about uh, the evidence for information about UFOs. Uh, it was a it was it was not subtle. It was a basic sledgehammer between the eyes. It was it was just massive. Uh, Alan Heinick, I remember in in uh, late in the early 1970s, talked about the embarrassment of riches. He told people to, to specialize in just little pieces of it. There was so much evidence and so much information. It was just, it was ridiculous. So, um, and the problem here is what you're doing is you're studying the outside shells of objects. It tells us very little, if not, if anything at all, about intense, intentions, motivations, goals, purposes. It just tells us that an object was there, incredible people saw it. And it, it had weird uh, flight characteristics, you know, or whatever it was. And people saw it for X number of time. We, know, we knew everything. I won't even go into it. We knew everything there was. And all, virtually all, of the evidence for UFOs that has been uncovered by researchers since that time has been primarily confirmatory. And, 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 and it validates, uh, you know, verifies uh, what we already knew before. It's just adds more and more evidence to the pile of evidence we already have, which I think is extremely important, and I'm all in favor of that, and people who do this are are heroes as far as I'm concerned. But in fact, the uh, actual knowledge we had was limited. So what people did was they began to move into non-UFO research areas, and they moved into government conspiracy ideas. And so once government conspiracy theories, which had already been, been there since 1947 or 49, practically, uh, had, uh, had been there from the beginning, since those took off now with a vengeance in the mid-1970s, and especially after the Roswell situation. And um, what that meant was that for people who are interested in the subject, you suddenly have this other thing that you sort of have to buy into. Not only are UFOs real, not only are they uh, probably extraterrestrial, but the government knows about it. And not only does the government know about it, the government is covering it up. And not only is the government covering it up, but the government, with Roswell, has one that they're studying. And not only does it have one that they're studying, but the government might also have. ...little crispy critters, little aliens or whatever they are, you know, that they're studying them too, and we are required to sort of believe all this as part of the UFO phenomenon, and not only that, but aliens... Are abducting people and taking them away and they don't even remember it and we're supposed to believe this too and that's just totally insane all the way across the board with abductions and what you get now because of all this stuff that people are required to sort of buy into is you have no scientific interest in the subject whatsoever And not only that, and I shouldn't be too, there are some scientists are still interested in it, obviously, as there were before, but what you get for the first time, and I've been involved with this, like I said, for over 40 years, what you get is um, an aggressive hostility toward the subject by the scientific and academic community that I have never seen before. Uh, It wasn't there when I I first started teaching uh, in 1974. When I got my first job teaching at the University of Nebraska, and now, I, and now I've been at Temple University in Philadelphia since 75, and it was not there, but now it is there. And, uh, and I, my sense of it uh, as, uh, as an academic is that it's because of all these kind of barriers to the phenomenon itself. It's like all these things are put in front of the phenomenon that people have to deal with. And most, uh, most academics and, and scientists just say, well, the hell with that. I've got a life to live, you know, and the chances of this being an extraterrestrial phenomenon is so remote, it's so unlikely, it's just ridiculous for me to to retool, to begin the study, to read books, and to learn how to do research in this, you know, I'm doing other stuff, and, and consequently, and besides that, these people are nuts, everybody is crazy over there, and you get this recycling of the idea that people who see UFOs or people who say that they're abducted are in some way crazy. Some, they're, in, they're, they're, they're diminished as a full human being in some way. All these things uh, come together in popular culture now and uh, in television and radio c- accounts of this subject, and the academic community just stays away from it more so than I've ever seen in my life.
0: And that said, we have to take uh, one break. But let me just say something, and then we'll get your reaction on the other side. I had a, a cousin who no longer lives, but he was an aerospace engineer. And as a child, I remember asking him, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? And we would sit down and look at the millions of stars at night, and he would tell me what academia says. It is impossible, the light years, the propulsion, etc., for them to come here. Isn't that the height of arrogance? for academia sometimes, and I don't mean to offend you by saying this, to say, no, we don't believe in it? Is it because w- what they can do, they can't prove anything, and their conventional wisdom says that? But let me get your answer on the other side. In the meantime, how do people get in touch with your work, uh, Dr. Jacobs?
1: Well, I have a website. Uh, and it's called ufoabduction.com, www.ufoabduction.com. Now, make sure that it's not UFO abductions. That's wrong. That's a whole other world. It's UFOabduction.com.
0: And singular. And we have a link on our website, folks. Stay with us. We're here, we're here with Dr. David Jacobs. This is Mel Fabrigas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
1: Nick Begich, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.